I'm really excited. Uh, really excited to be here. This has just been the best week. Everything's just lined up right. All my sporting teams have won this week, which never happens, never happens. The Blues won on Sunday night. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Um, my um, NRL St George Illawarra Dragons won. My uh, Sydney Swans won. The Australian cricket team won twice. Um, I had a birthday. Ben had a birthday. Luke Murray had a birthday today. Um, it's the week for birthdays. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Joel. I'm the uh, conference centre manager here, uh, but I also look after young adult ministry, and um, it's my privilege to bring you this message. Uh, we've been, or we've spent the last four weeks on a series called Generous God. And our God is generous, who knows that? Uh, we've just heard some amazing stories. Uh, we've looked at how amazingly generous is our God. It is his nature to be generous. It is who he is. God is generous. After all, for God loved the world that he gave. So if God is so generous, the question is, how do we, or how should we, respond to that generosity? And we need to, uh, because so big is his generosity. Um, I kind of feel like this has been a four-week series, and I kind of feel like this is a four-man relay race, and I'm the anchor coming in for the last straight. I'm taking this home. Um, I've had to make up a little bit of ground because of the people in front of me were a little bit slower, so um, I'm going to take us home with power. Um, ben started the series uh, a few weeks ago uh, with God's generosity. We started with that. God is so generous and we see it all around us. It's in nature, it's in everything. Um, and we reflect God's nature when we are generous. Uh, Steve continued the series with the idea that we're actually included in God's story. How good is that? That we get to be a part of what God is doing. Um, and we get to do that through our generosity. How absurd is that, Steve said. And that God provides for us so that we can actually provide for others. We are blessed to be a blessing, Steve said, and that God actually um, uh, takes what we give and he multiplies it, just like the fish and the loaves. He took, um, takes our gift and he actually makes more of it. Last week, Christy talked to us about the test of hard times and that generosity is possible in hard times. We can actually be generous in hard times because God is actually working in and through us. Also, because God has a different set of rules. There's a different set of rules within the kingdom of God and we actually operate in that sphere as well. And we, cannot, uh, we can be generous in hard times also because God designed us to be generous. It's actually how we should operate. It's how we best operate is with generosity. So I'm bringing us home tonight with the test of abundance. The test of abundance. So let me ask you, how generous is our God? How generous. And I want us to engage with that question. It's really important that we actually see that because once we see that, we can actually respond to it. Uh, we can move through that generosity. So I'm going to ask you the question, how has God been generous in your life? More than what we've just done, the exercise we've just done, once you actually engage with it. So I've provided some paper around that should look like this somewhere in your vicinity. I want you to take this because I need us to engage this, with this question. 
It's okay if you can't answer the question. I just want to start us thinking about how generous is our God. So I want you to write in a, in a few moments how God has been generous in your life. Uh, there won't be any music. I thought about singing a little bit while you do that, but it wouldn't be pretty. How has God been generous in your life? Write as quickly as you can. No passing notes, you've just got to do your own work, okay? No copying. While you're doing that, I'm going to share my list, and this might prompt some further thoughts for you. I want you to engage with these, with this idea. How has God been generous in my life? For me, every time I see the gorge, Cataract Gorge, or the colours of autumn in Launceston, uh, my favourite beach in Wollongong, or a beautiful sunset, I'm amazed by the generosity of God. I often look at those scenes and say, God, you're just showing off. Uh, and he does. Um, and he does it for our enjoyment. How generous is our God. I get to live in this beautiful city, amazing city. Uh, we could have been born anywhere else. We could have ended up anywhere else. But we ended up here in Launceston, Tasmania. How about that? How generous is our God? You know, I belong uh, to this incredible church and I get to work here. Uh, I get to be a part of the amazing work of God in this place, and so do you, so how generous is our God? Uh, this only occurred to me this morning, when I think about this amazing building um, that we meet in, this could easily have ended up anything else. It could have ended up another factory, or a warehouse, or a hotel, but it ended up a church, uh, because God had big plans for Launceston Church of Christ. God had big plans for Launceston City um, and he needed a big building for that to happen. So we're the recipients of God's generosity because he wants to do something big in us and through us. How generous is our God? I know that my God is generous because I have a wonderful wife, beautiful wife, and four amazing, incredible children. Um, I was born to fantastic parents and I have more friends than I can count. How generous is our God? Uh, one of the biggest things is when I think about where I've come from and where I am now, um, I'm amazed by the generosity of God. I was once far away from God, uh, lost in sin and despair, and I lost everything that I had. Uh, I was in a deep depression um, and totally lost, and this wasn't altogether a long time ago, but uh, that was where I was. But thanks be to God, he actually lifted me out of the pit. I didn't stay there. He, he set my feet upon a rock. He forgave me and he washed me clean and he restored my soul. How generous is our God? You know, I'm not just defined by my mistakes. I'm not defined by my sin, by what other people think of me or by my depression. I'm defined by what God thinks of me. He, and he thinks that I'm a beloved child of God. And I actually want to speak this over you too. You are not defined by your mistakes. You are not defined by your sin. You are not defined by your illness. You're not defined by those errors that you made in exams 
five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. You're not defined by those things. You're defined by what God thinks about you and you are a beloved child of God. How generous is our God? Listen to these words from scripture. But God demonstrated his love, his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were sinners, he died for us. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For it is great by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it's a gift of God. Not by work so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, or his masterpiece. We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. That's what we are. We're children of God. How generous is our God? Now, I like to say he's all kinds of awesome. He's all kinds of, he's all kinds of generous, actually. Um, so we're, we're confronted with his generosity. Here's his generosity that we've just looked at. How do we respond? We can't just look at it and go, oh, you can, because you have that free will, but I want us to actually engage with that. How do we respond to his generosity? I'm going to read to you from Matthew, and it's quite a long passage, so hang in there, um, but it's worthwhile. Um, Jesus um, told this story. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had trusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Uh, you have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward. Uh, I've lost my... <laughs> well, um, you mean... The, uh, I'll try to find it. And I've earned two more. Well done. Um, the master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. I'm going to find my way here. The servant who had one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops and didn't plant and gather crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, if you, had, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, 
Why didn't you deposit money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's a long passage and it's a, it's a hard kind of story uh, to hear, but I think we can actually learn something uh, uh, from this passage in the context of our series. The first thing we learn is that we're not all given the same lot. One was given one, one was given two, one was given five. Uh, and it's the same for us. Some are actually given little, some are actually given plenty. Um, and we know that from experience, we see it all around us. I think we also learn that we're all expected to actually do something with what God has given us. Uh, whether that's plenty or whether that's little, we're actually all expected to do something with it. Um, and I want to suggest that's not about investing in things. It's about uh, a kingdom investment, uh, about a kingdom difference. So we actually have to do something with what God has given us. Um, the, uh, the next thing is that doing nothing is not an option. Um, God expects us to do something with what he's given. Nothing, there's no excuse for nothing. Um, and um, the next thing is that God gives us what we can handle. Um, uh, he could very easily give us all five bags of silver, but I don't think we can all handle five bags of silver. Uh, I would really like to have a million dollars. I'd like to have more than a million dollars. I can think of lots of things, but I don't think it's going to happen because I don't think I can actually handle a million dollars. And I think God actually gives us, gives us what we can handle. It's, it's biblical, I think. Uh, the last thing is that more is required of those with plenty. So if you've got plenty, God actually expects more from us. Jesus said it this way, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Much more will be asked. So what is this test of abundance? Uh, what is this test of when we have plenty? It seems like a silly question. How can it be a test to have plenty? Um, but it actually, it's, it's not, a, not a trick. It's actually a, it can be a test. And it probably begs the question, how much is having plenty? How do we know when we've actually got an abundance? Or how do we know when we've got plenty? And um, I think if we were to ask a lot of people... Uh, a lot of people would actually say it's a little bit more than what I've actually got now because I don't think I've got plenty. Uh, and there's probably lots of opinion about this, but my take is if you have some discretionary income or regular discretionary income, you're probably in that plenty category. Uh, if one of these things is true of you, you're probably in that plenty category. If you can afford to buy coffee every day, if you can afford to buy uh, eat takeout food regularly. If you have more clothes than you need, have more than one vehicle. Have big holidays, caravans, boats, investment properties, or holiday homes. You would probably fall into the plenty category. Uh, certainly, by world standards, you would be in the wealthiest percentage of the world's population. And this is not a criticism. If you've got plenty, that's okay. 
because some people just have more. That's how God designed it. But the Bible comes with all kinds of warnings about money. Uh, Jesus himself actually talked a lot about money, um, as we've already heard. 16 of the 38 parables in the Bible were concerned about how to handle money and possessions. 16 of 38. In the Gospels, an amazing one out of 10 verses, so 288 verses altogether, deal directly with the subject of money. An awful lot of talk about money. So why is this such a popular topic in Scripture? Why is this such a big topic for Jesus? It's because money causes problems. Well, it's not money. It's the use of money. It's the attitude and everything. But I think it's because of these things. Because financial stress can actually happen for those with little and for those with much. Um, It happens for either. Uh, Financial stresses can impact on health and relationships. Um, So many marriages actually break down because of money problems. Uh, So much um, mental illness these days can be impacted by financial problems. God knew that money was going to cause trouble, so he talked a lot about it, a lot about it. Um, And the final thing is because money and things can actually take us away from our relationship with God. So Jesus needed to talk about money. Listen to some of these words of Jesus about money. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist of an abundance of possessions. He told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what should I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'm going to tear down my barns and I'll build a bigger one. And there I'll store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then you will get what you have prepared for yourself. But then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Jesus also said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. He also said, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. I don't know about you, but it sounds really hard. Um, money, having money shouldn't be a problem, but it is. Um, and it doesn't mean, uh, Jesus is not saying these things because we can't have God and money, and we can have God and money, but it means that we can't centre our lives around money and things, and also God. It's one or the other, it's not both. We can't have a heart turned towards money, and also God. Let me say it this way. The heart turned towards money wants more. There's always something more to get. Always something more to get. But the heart turned towards God 
gives more. The heart turned towards money can be full of greed and the heart turned towards God helps those in need. Rhymes, how about that? It sounds like a Dr. Zeus thing, I know. Um, The heart turned towards money is distracted by things. But the heart turned towards God is moved by need and inspired by mission. The heart turned towards money is rarely content, but the heart turned towards God can find contentment. Do you remember Paul uh, said these words, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Wouldn't it be great to know that secret, to know what it is to be content in need and with plenty. So what was his secret? I think Paul found contentment because he knew where his supply came from. He knew who the provider was. uh, And he knew that his provider was actually a generous God and he was grateful. I think that's it. He was grateful. He had a grateful heart. When you have a grateful heart, I think you can be content with whatever you've got. You know, the heart turned towards money becomes self-centred, but the heart turned towards God is actually Jesus-centred. The heart turned towards money becomes selfish, but the heart turned towards God is others-focused. So turn your heart to God and get God's perspective on money. Let's look at God's uh, perspective briefly. Uh, And God's perspective on money is just this, that he provides for us generously so that we can in turn be generous. So the reason he is generous to us, or one of the reasons that he is generous to us, is that we in turn can be generous also. Scripture says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you are bound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving. You know, God could very easily have have provided for the world generously without us. He's done it before. He gave us manna and some of those things. But he chooses it chooses to do that generosity uh, through us, through ordinary people. Uh, He blesses us to be a blessing. And for those of you with plenty, there is a world outside this door who needs your resources. Uh, He resources us to be a resource. There's a city full of people out these doors that don't know Jesus yet. There's a city full of people outside these doors who need what we have. And it costs money to do most things these days. So get generous. I'm going to ask Jess, uh, no, Lucy, sorry. 
had notes for this morning. Lucy to come up and play. Um, the second thing I wanted to say about God's perspective is that generosity changes lives. Um, our generosity results in thanksgiving to our God. Um, I'll read that little bit of that last passage again. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. The service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. How do you feel when you're on the receiving end of generosity, any generosity, whether it's from God, whether it's from people? How do you feel when someone does something generous to you? Is it grateful? Yeah. Are you overcome? Are you moved by generosity? Are you blessed? Are you inspired by generosity? When generosity happens, needs are met. Opportunities are created when generosity happens. Hearts are softened. People become more receptive to God when generosity happens. Lives are actually changed when generosity happens. When a family receives a free car donated by a generous person to our Mad Wheels program, Imagine what that does to the hearts of those families. What about the lives changed through the generosity of people helping to build orphanages or schools or medical centres in the African Republic of Burundi through the Villages of Life team? Or in India through the um, Good, uh, Good Shepherd Agricultural Mission? What, what's happening in those lives that receive that generosity? What about the lives that have been changed through the generosity of people supporting the Compassion Projects in the Philippines? You know, children and families in those villages have so many more opportunities in life because of this generous, generous support. Now Steve talked to us a couple of weeks ago about us being a church riding on the shoulders of the generosity of those before us. Uh, we stand or we sit in an incredible facility every week that was largely built on the generosity of so many people over 130 years. Um, some people have given thousands, some people have given tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands over years to make this happen. And we stand on their shoulders. Surely God, God could have done that on his own, but he chose to do it through ordinary people just like us and our generosity. And because of that generosity, this old factory building has been transformed into a church. New ministries have been developed, staff have been employed, and development keeps happening, like the Long Day Care Centre. I love that God's, God keeps doing that stuff. Consider all the new people that have actually walked into this building um, since the church has moved into this building. How many lives have been changed because of that generosity? How generous is our God? So let us consider how many more people could actually be reached. How many more square metres of this building could be used? How many more ministry opportunities can we create? How many more lives could be changed through generosity? 
So can I be so bold as to say, get generous? Get it, get it, get generous. Uh, because we need those resources. Now, if the rest of the band would like to come up. Um, we're con- confronted with a question tonight. Uh, we need to ask this of ourselves. God's generosity presents us with a question today, and, and that question is, how will I respond to his generosity? What is the next step for me? And I'm going to suggest a few. The first is that we need to respond to God's generosity. One of the ways that we can respond to God's generosity is with thanksgiving. God has done so much in us, in me, uh, in this church, in this city, um, and uh, we could spend all night doing it. Thanks, God. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, It's right for us to give thanks. Uh, The next way that we can respond is through planned giving. So uh, there's this brochure available um, that you can read more about. This is about how we give each and every week. This is a part of uh, the responsibility of people who belong to this church to give into the life of the church, and it's a good practice. Another way is to um, respond to God's generosity is with generous giving. So God actually asks us to give, but he actually asks us a little bit further, and he asks us to give generously, uh, and there's all kinds of ways that we can give above and beyond that above and beyond stuff, like the Legacy of Hope stuff, like the, with the Long Day Care Centre. There's so many opportunities to be generous. One of the ways that you can respond is to get some godly wisdom about money. And uh, as, we, as we read, as we heard, there's so much um, trouble that money can cause, so we need to get wise about it. Uh, one of the ways that we can get wise about handling our money is through the Mastering Your Money course. So there's information outside in the foyer. You can grab one of these. It's a really good course about learning to manage your money. Uh, and we need all the wisdom that we can get. The last way I want to suggest that we should respond is this. It says in God's Word, in, uh, Paul said this in Romans 12, in view of God's mercy, give your lives as a living sacrifice. I want to say it this way. In view of God's generosity, how do you respond? In view of God's generosity, give. Uh, but give your life to him. Uh, he's, um, he's inviting us into his story, this amazing story of God, uh, this amazing story of what God's doing here in this place. He's actually inviting us into it. And whatever your life situation, whatever your financial situation, whether you're in hard times, in plenty or somewhere in the middle, God has generously invited you to become a part of his team. He's inviting you uh, tonight into his story, uh, into his family. You know what? God's changing the world um, all kinds of ways uh, and, he's, and he wants us to be a part of it. Um, which I think is just incredible. Uh, Steve said it this way, how absurd is that? Let's pray. Father God, we're just grateful for what you've done uh, in our lives. We're, We're grateful for your generosity. We give you all the honour and glory and praise because you're a generous God. 
Father God, I pray that you would help us to get a glimpse of that generosity that we can respond accordingly. And I pray that you would help us to plant, that you, uh, that you would help us to sow into the work of God here. And Father, I pray for those who don't know, don't yet know you as Lord and Saviour. I pray that you would speak into their hearts now, that they would catch that invitation, that they would know that you are God and that you love them and um, you desire great things for them. Uh, thanks for what you're saying. Thanks for what you're doing, Father God. Uh, we just give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.